I'm so excited to talk to you finally. Hello, hello, Patty. What, what, what are we doing? I mean, wait a minute. So okay. you know what to, so I knew, I listen, I watched the show from okay. the jump, right? Yeah. But I'm like doing my thing behind the scenes and yeah. I didn't realize that you're a Jersey girl. Oh yeah, through and through. I mean, I was born in Jersey, raised in Jersey. We always went back to New York and Jersey. My father's from New York. My mom was from Jersey. So I have a little bit of both, but I was born in Jersey. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I just started a podcast, which you'll have to come on when we get our feet wet, but I just started it with Teresa. Oh, you're kidding. No. Wait, you were the person? I started With that person in those pictures, the blonde. Yeah, I know. Holy I know. Fucking the, the I didn't know that was you. Oh my God. Yeah. You look the same. Like I didn't put the two together. I didn't know you had a separate. Nobody does. When they're talking to me like side piece. How did you meet Teresa? How did you meet her? So I am good friends with Cynthia Bailey. Oh, I'm friends with Cynthia. Okay, cool. Oh. You're Jill. Well, actually we all went Bravo, but Jill hung out more when we were in Jill, but go on. So Cynthia. So yeah. I met, I had Mike Hill on side piece, met Cynthia through that. Cynthia and I hit it off. She was like, yo, Mike can't come to the ultimate girl strip premiere. Will you want to go with me? So I went with her as her date. And her then one. Yeah. yeah, and Teresa and I met and then we, yeah, this is pre-divorce, pre-divorce, I assume. Go on. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've I met him. Him. I met him when they first were together. Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. You see that coming? Um, the East Coast, West Coast thing was a little bit of a concern. Um, I liked him and I thought he had a great job and I thought Steve Harvey did a good job. Like I was shocked that Steve, cause I've done Steve a million times for friends and she's like, I went on and I just said, he's the one let's go. So that was good. Cause after, you know, P I knew Peter and it's like, that was not a good one. I, yeah. I was like, no, no, he's not nurturing. He's not loving. He's sexy, but He's fucked up with money and shit. So I thought Mike had a really good job, but I didn't know if the East, like I haven't talked to her since. So I don't know long if the distance. East, the long distance will, will start it off. You'll move faster in long distance, but you will go rudderless unless one person moves to the other person's location. Like my ex, my boyfriend now, his ex-girlfriend and him went out four years and she was in Miami and he was in LA and he couldn't move. He had kids and she didn't. And she had a mother that was sick and they just couldn't get it going. So it becomes rudderless is what I talk about it. So question, do you think that's the reason why? I mean, listen, that, that you can't, you can't, I feel like no relationship. Like you've always said, I feel like you've always said it too. Like the long distance will fucking yeah. kill you. Well, if you don't see each other every two weeks to sync it up, but if you're married and you're long distance, let's talk about that. So if you're married and you're long distance and you have not figured out who's going to live where, are we going to have kids? Because if you have kids in your long distance, that's crazy. But right. then people like, you know, Ina Garden has this amazing relationship. My mother would say it's very unusual. He would go off to be, you know, the dean at Yale during the week. And that's in Connecticut. And then he'd come home on the weekends to the Hamptons. And they didn't have kids. And it worked for them. She could get her work done in the middle of the week. You know, it's like a salesman on the road kind of thing. Like oh. my uncle was a big salesman on the road. And when they got back together, it was like they missed each other. And it was great love and passion. So it depends. If one person's raising the children and they feel like the other person's, at, you know, not there. It can, be, it can be like resentment. But if you don't have kids, and this is like, I get my work done. I do my thing. You go away. And you have a system that works namaste like there are people that have these relationships it's just like the king and the queen having separate bedrooms which right. i found fascinating but it works for them a friend of mine moved into an apartment with her boyfriend they have separate bathrooms and separate bedrooms and they love it because at night he snores 
And I thought, I, don't, I, take, I take the snoring from my boyfriend, which he told me I snored last night. I don't know if I did, but I take the snoring from him. And I, he goes, go in another room. And I go, no, I want to be with you. Like, I can't imagine. That means we're having a fight if I'm in another room. I don't want that. So everybody has their routine. There are alternative relationships that work like this, just like polyamory and throuples and things right. like that. However, what I find is if one person's not meeting the other person in the middle, there will be resentment, bitterness, and then you start fighting. And it goes downhill. It's and then you go, you did this, I did this, and it's tip for tat, tip for tat. And if it gets too angry and neither one budges and the other person doesn't feel soothed, you know, vice versa, like you don't feel soothed, yeah. then you're like, there's no future. So oh. they get out. And financially, there could be problems. One could be making money. The other person, Cynthia, is very successful. She is a really smart businesswoman. And, um, you know, she obviously didn't see a future and said, I tried and I tried and didn't work out. And she'll go on to the next one. Every like, Here's another thing they have to understand. The media and the fans will think she's a failure. I think she's growing and evolving because I know her as a cute, beautiful, spiritual human being. So that just means he started her to the next one. And my mom was married three times. When she died, she had her third husband. And my mom would say, every man you meet is a lesson. You're growing, you're only here on earth to learn about you. So if these people come in as catalysts, some people have won, like my grandparents, forever. Other people are Elizabeth Taylor. Right. Totally. And you can't look at them as failures. You don't live in their life. Will you work with anybody, any age, any anything? Yeah, over 18, but it has to be over, I don't do teens. Yeah, but like, I don't want to get it because I don't think it's proper with sex and all that stuff. I'll give education to teens. I'll coach them. So I'm very cautious about safe sex, um, emotional sex. Yes. Giving, you know, getting drunk or doing Molly or something like that. And, oh, I'm going to have sex. But it, years later, that trauma will come back to you if it's not loving and soothing. And that person, you know, acknowledges you the next oh, day. Right. Because oh. kids will be like mean and go, oh, fuck, I fucked her. You know, who cares? And, but think about all of us who have those experiences when we're first like doing. I, I had a terrible first um, experience. I went with an, my mom forced me to date this guy who was older and I liked somebody else. And she said, this was a better pick. And I listened to my mom, the matchmaker. We had sex. It was awful. Nice. Um, he started to demean me. He was four years older and being mean and stuff like that. And I finally, I went on a blind date with the hottest guy to, um, uh, a very fat, famous fashion designers. Uh, he had a restaurant in New York. I got up to the, I got invited to the opening and in walks in the guy that I lost for virginity to, and he lost all his hair. Karma's a bitch. I get to, because I was young and innocent and, uh, he took advantage of me. He wasn't very nice. I wouldn't recommend it. I didn't want, I wanted to lose my virginity before college. So I was 18 on my 18th birthday and I didn't want to go there a virgin. Very similar to Tell Me Lies. If anybody's watched Tell Me Lies, I love that show. I mean, there was a lot of, you know, psychological traumas. Like when you see a guy who's 50, still going after a 25 year old and he's not very attractive and he uses his money. He didn't get the cheerleader in high school. It's really simple. So you're in high school. Go yeah, on, what? And it's like, that's, everywhere i mean listen it's everywhere here it's like bomb no it's like here it's a standard but i mean you can still you know in europe it's very common for the 20 year difference i just watched amal clooney give a tribute to george and he beamed but you know they're like 17 16 years apart you know brad pitt is supposedly dating someone 25 years younger like 
what happens if like a, a dude comes in and he's like, match me up, but I want to be with someone that's 25 years younger. I do it. And I, and then when it goes south several times, I have one right now, I go, I think you could get into the thirties at least like you're 56. What are you doing? I said, 40. I said, now here's the problem. Every single girl eventually dates some nice, good looking guy. Cause I have really nice, good looking guys. And he says to me, they want kids. They're under 30. You, he's already had two children. He's also been fixed. And I said, well, what did you expect? They're going to lie and say they don't want children. But the time they turn 28, 29 and the bell goes off and they're like, ah, my eggs are flying off up and down in my body and giving them a hormonal boost. <laughs> they're going to want children. And I tell him that every time. And he always picks these 27 year olds. And I'm like, and the time they turn 29, like two years later, he's like, they want kids that I had to break up with her. I mean, what do you freaking expect? But He's not, they're not brain, like, you know, their brains aren't logically formed sometimes. I'm always amazed how stupid they are, but they're great at making money and they're great in business. You so know what I mean? Didn't you want kids at one point? Yeah. I, did. Wait, I also wanted to do Andy. I dated, I was engaged to, I had two engagements. The first was short. That was Florida. And that's probably the one I've always felt like. He was in the program. Dry drunks are kind of worse sometimes than regular drunks. And um, he had a lot of issues, a lot of childhood. He was beaten as a child and he was very successful in the music industry. And I was madly in love and it was very fast. We were long distance and it crashed and burned. And then he, he, he said, let's have two kids. Then he changed his mind. He wanted kids and that was my deal breaker. So I broke up with him. Years later, he came back to me and he was married to someone else and he had kids. And I was really heartbroken about that. You now they changed their mind. So um, he wanted to get married to me, but he didn't want children. He felt he'd be a bad dad. And I didn't agree with him. Um, and then his boss inter like kind of broke us up because we lived in separate places. He lived in Jersey and I lived in Florida and the, I got a big job in Florida. So I didn't want to leave. And his boss broke us up and he told, and I felt it in years later. I'm very intuitive. And years later, you know, he was a he produced Andrea Bocelli's concerts, Barbara Streisand, Cher. He's very famous. And then um, he also made some bad business decisions and lost a lot of money. So there was a lot of bad shit going on there. Then I meet Andy, nice Jewish boy, kosher, conservadox. I wasn't religious. That was a little bit I'm weighing on me. Good family, super nice, but he was my best friend and I wasn't attracted to him. Faced me, And it was a time where I felt hurt from the fiance. So I said, why don't I go with somebody who loves me more than I love myself, which is my grandmother's mantra. And I tried it, but I wasn't, you know, he wasn't the kind I want you to throw me down and rip my clothes off. And I was pretty sexual at the time. So I was like, oh, this isn't going to work. Then I went out and I dated the anti guy. My brother-in-law's best friend was this hot, sexy surfer, tech guy. He fucked everything that moved, but a bit of an alcoholic. And I had great sex, but there was no emotional connection. He yeah. was cold as ice. And then I went on to David, which you saw on the show. And David was like a grounded family man who lost a lot of money in the mortgage banking industry. And I didn't really know his, his financial setup, but he was losing his house. We had already had great sex, fallen in love. And I took the wound and burden, which seems to be like, if you're watching White Lotus, I think I'm Albie, yeah. you know? And then I learned no more, no more. So I dated, dated a bunch of other guys. And then I met my, I have three Davids in a row. Three, is there something wrong with me? Howdy. So my boyfriend is David, who's grounded, who pursued me. He's in the medical business. He doesn't have any social media. So if it goes south, I cannot stalk him. What's going on? He knows but, who you are. What'd you say? Do you know who you were? 
Yeah, no, no, he didn't watch reality TV. He doesn't, he only watched scripted television because his son's really into like, like his son just turned us on to Yellow Jackets. Like he, you know, he's, he watched scripted TV. They were Game of Throners, you know? He didn't know. And then his, he has four younger sisters and they told him and they're like, do you know who you're dating? And then finally I can, well, we would go out to dinner and people would come up, can I take a picture? And he's like, what are you talking about? And I'd be like, shoo, shoo, I'm on a date. And he goes, what did that guy want? Like he heard like, you know, and he just, play, he, he said, I'm not going to bombard you. And then finally I told the truth because it was after about three or four dates, he asked me to be his girlfriend. And I told him, I'm not ready yet. Like, give me a minute. And I gave him, you know, it took a while, like three months. Would you have? I, I was very gun shy, and this is LA. Yeah, like my last guy that I dated, gaslit me, deceived me. He had a girl. We were long distance. He was at Silicon. He had a girlfriend the whole time, and I kept asking you. You know, you can ask a million questions, and then your alarm in your body goes off, and you're and people go, "You're irrational. You're, you know, you're, you're, you're. That's so not true. What you're feeling. You're telling yourself a story, but you know something's wrong." And then I, I went up there and I found out through his family and I became best friends. But the good part is I became best friends with his sister. Like we we're besties. Talk to her? All the time, every day. We're best friends. Yeah. So I lost, he turned out to, his mother loves me and said, this is bullshit what you did to her. You're a stupid idiot. And I met his girlfriend who wanted to be my friend and she became passive aggressive. It was a movie. I could write a lifetime Netflix movie on this. It's a great Netflix. story. This is why it didn't work. His name wasn't David. His name was Dave. Oh, he was the second Dave. This my my boyfriend is now the third Dave. Dave, we call him D three. Yeah. But is this a sign though that maybe Davids aren't your jam? I don't know. But I'm gonna if this one doesn't work. He's Catholic. Good family. If this is I'm going back to the Jews. <laughs> like I give up. I dated everything. You know. Did you marry? No, I've never been married. Would you? Yes. I told him, I said, I want to get married before I die. I want to experience that. He's divorced. Yeah. And the kid's ship has sailed. What'd you say? Kids, the kid's ship, it sailed. No, I don't want kids. I'm too old. No, he has older kids. His youngest kid's 22. We're done. Yeah. He has no, three kids. But yeah. you at one point wanted kids, right? I wanted them forever. I mean, I was going to adopt. I, you know what it is? I didn't, I'm not like Andy Cohn or I'm trying to think who else did this. Anderson Cooper. Well, Anderson has a partner, but I couldn't do, I'm adopted. Biologically, I'm adopted. So I didn't feel comfortable doing this alone because I saw my mother struggle between marriages and I must have imprinted on me, like, don't do this alone. You know, she had a terrible first husband. My father was a bit of an alcoholic. So there was this break in between. We lived with my grandparents. It's very Mrs. Maisel. And it was like her story, except for the comedian part. And I just said, oof, I don't want to do that alone. So I kept looking for the right partner. Andy, we thought at one point I was pregnant. I just was like late on my period, two months stress. And I was shooting the show at the time. So it was a little bit overwhelming. Andy said, oh, I'll marry you if you get a kid. And I'm like, oh, you'll marry me if I'm in a kid, but you won't marry me if, if I'm not. So I let go of him. I was just like, okay, I got a boyfriend. I got something to do in the weekends. He's great to cuddle with. We like the same TV shows and food. Great. And then I got really into my career. And then my show took off. And then Andy, when he, I had a manager at one point who was very handsome. He was married and we used to flirt all the time. We were besties too at one point. And um, his wife didn't like that either. And so we didn't cheat. I would, I'm not a cheater, but I got some kind of emotional, sexual zoosh. And he said to me, you know, you're not in love with your fiance, my manager. I go, I'm not in New York. And I wasn't, I had to face the music and he had just, I had just gotten engaged. 
And I remember when he gave me the ring, I didn't feel really good about it because I was like, it's five years too late. It's five years in. Um, I wasn't rushing to the altar. It wasn't like I used my book. There is a book I wrote, Become Your Matchmaker. It's a bestseller on Amazon. And if you take these eight steps and you want to get married, even if you're in a relationship and he's not giving it to you, let's say you're past a year, you can revert back to step nine and get the ring and get the marriage. But I also make you do an inventory of yourself. Like, is this the person that you want to spend the rest of your life with? Because if you're giving too much, you're going to give way more in the marriage. Like, you know, you're married. So if you are in a bad relationship where you're giving too much and there is always one giver and receiver, the secret is to find an, if you're a giver, find another giver because then you learn to receive. But if you're a taker and you know, you're a taker, you need to get another taker because if you get a giver, eventually the giver gets bitter, feels resented. It could be one year, 17 years and they will leave you high and dry and you'll be like shocked. Like the, the takers are always like, I never saw it coming. I'm like, well, how much can that person give where they're depleted? Oh, so they true. forget who they are as a person. What is what about like Vicky? Like Vicky, like what do you yeah, do? Vicky and I are really good friends. Yeah. Yeah. I could see her saying this stuff. What do you do? No, well, Vicky is a financial expert. So right. she's she took care of all her husbands. This is a good story on her. So every husband she took care of including her, her first husband was worse, but it kept getting bad and bad and bad in the cop. And we were close and they broke up and they got back together and she wanted someone to make her coffee in the one and be like a butler. A lot of these rich women want a butler, but they pick a man who resents being a butler. They pick a man who doesn't have money, so he's not doing his own thing and they can hire a butler or they get a guy who doesn't have money. In this case, he had none and he was cheating the whole time. And you know, Jill would tell me stories when they were on the set that Vicky was, you got to do something. So yeah. Vicky and I had a conversation. I said, okay, make your list. Let's go. I wanted the top of the list that he makes more money than you. And he's super successful. I don't think I'll get that because she had what I had. We had very similar energy. I still have that. And I didn't think I could find that. When you don't think you can find it, you won't manifest it. So she put it at the top of the list. She gave it to God. She's very spiritual, very Christian. And in walks her new boyfriend. Yeah. Like, and here's the weird part. He dated my best friend in Florida. So I knew that he was a good guy. He knew it. Six fucking degrees of separation. Yeah. And so- But did he make money? He built the little now. Now here's the queer. So Kelly takes her out one night on the town, you know, God. With, with Rick and all, and they go out, they go out town and they run into him. And that's six, and, and a shit off, as we say in Yiddish, uh, a match was made. Yeah. And the truth of the matter was, she said the list worked, Patty. I said, yeah, I did this. I'm doing right. I'm doing this to Cheryl Burke right now. I'm going on her show on a really to teach her how to, and I'm going to fix her up at the same time. But like Jana Kramer, I've gone on. I said, look, there's a line that I, that my best friend has told me. And she's so dead on. You only get the love you think you deserve. You only get the love you think you deserve. So when Teresa manifested her soulmate, because, you know, Jill went to the wedding, I said, you know, they're a good match for each other. I like them. Two Tauruses, you know, I do astrology. And I said, um, I heard there's rumors they met, like, you know, bumped into each other in the neighborhood. I don't know if that's true. But she must have been in a place of energy to pull him in and him to pull her. Up. And the conduit happened. Like David said to me, my boyfriend, I was just about to get off Tinder. I had blown him off. I had seen him on Tinder, talked, and then blew him off. And I was really upset that you blew me off. And I was just, I was kind of nagged and I wanted to get up Tinder. And then you came back and there was a part where I go, 
I'm about to get off all the apps. Let me go back and review and see if there's anybody that was a good fit for me. At the time, I was thinking I needed the private plane guy. Yeah. But then I realized I'm not that girl. I'm a stay, I come home, I cook dinner, I like to get under the covers and watch TV. I, I'm in the I'm in the scripted world, which I'll tell you in a minute. And I like home. My one of my closest friends owns LNA leggings, April, and um LNA, the clothing company. I call it LNA leggings because there was a legging company in the beginning. And it's a great fashion company, all stores wear it. She and I text and talk all night long. We're both home. We're homebodies, we're exhausted from working. We want to get under the covers. And I was that girl, and he was that guy. So he matched my frequency. I'm not six nights out on the town. You know, I'm not like falling down drunk. I'm not, I don't drink, you yeah. know, I'm not afraid. So I have a Hashimoto's and it's not really good for my condition. And I also have cluster headaches. So it really can bring on a bad headache. I'm kind of like Margaret. I'll smoke some weed and do a gummy now and then, but I'm not a real drink. I'm not a partier. And so I realized that the universe sent me a perfect fit to my match because what I really was saying feelings wise is I want a homebody, you know, instead of that guy that has to be at six nights a week. I mean, he lives for tennis. He's, you know, into health. We're, we're getting his body in shape and his cholesterol issues. I sent him to my doctor. So he's so grateful on that. And we're getting healthy together. And that's, I walk with him, you know, like there's things that we do that if I was with Mr. Private Plane, who's in the news, he would never do any of that. Stuff. Going on a walk, a nice little stroll. Exactly. You know, because well, you live next door to me. We live. We, we got to oh, hang out. Wow. Not that I'm in the hood. I need a. Fr- I don't have a lot of friends in my hood. Everybody else far away. I'm not. Beverly Hills. Yeah. yeah, I'm from Ohio. Like I can't take the like. Yeah, I just his, he's from, his family's from Chicago and Indi- and Indiana, and Wisconsin. So yes. he's very like simple, like family. You know, we've got Christmas planned. He has his company Christmas party on Saturday. Like this is what I had in Jersey, the normalcy that I lost when I came to California. And I also moved from Miami and I was a big Miami girl. I went to University of Miami. I grew up in South Florida part of the time, like half and half. My grandmother lived there. So I had this, like, that was my home away from home. Like I always felt more comfortable in Florida than anywhere else. Like you get off the plane and you feel the tropical heat and I'm like, and some stone crabs. And I'm like, oh, you know, like that. But here it's like, (laughs) we're anxiety all the time. Treading on the treble. Oh my God. Oh my God. Who got that show? Why didn't I get a show? Why didn't I get a podcast? Why didn't I get this? What's wrong with me? The business has stopped. Like we go through these periods here that you still think those things. Oh yeah. Yeah. I kind of made a mistake, uh, but I, but I had to do it. Like I was forced Uh, when I was at Bravo, I left. I was like, Bethany, I didn't leave because I didn't like it. They got into, I own my trademark. Right. So they wanted the mark and they got into some legal shit, which was back in legal shit. And at the same time, Mark, who I loved, the president of We came over and said, hey, listen, come to my network. We'll make you the indie cone. We'll get you a talk show. We'll do all the shit with you. And I was excited. But at the same time, a small network, you know, it wasn't big. And we pitched a show that became a different show. You know how that happens, right? Oh. And we went back to Bravo, had nothing to do with money. And they started going, I want this and I won't let her have this. And, you know, it's it's kind of like they have favoritism over there. Who can get an exclusion and who cannot? I'm Teresa will tell you this all day long. And so I go, well, you know, I want this and I want that. And I, you know, I'm getting a talk show. I'm getting a reach show. No, we can't. You're, we're in first position. You can't have that. And there was like a lot of that going on. And I had already established myself and I had highest ratings. I was the highest repeated show on the back end at the network. Cause I wrap, I don't, I don't, I wrap in an hour. I don't cliffhang. So it's easy to sell it to other networks. 
use the money right now. Right. And this is pre this is pre Netflix and all that. Maybe Netflix had just gone up. And so Mark comes along. He gives me this great offer, and he goes, "You can't delay this anymore. You have forty eight hours." And Bravo goes quiet. And I go, what the hell's going on? Because I would have gone back to my true network. It had nothing to do with money. It had to do with some legal stuff. And then they come back and we took the deal. My agent, Lance, and my my lawyer, Darren, said, take it. At and then when I, yeah. And when I took it, even I think season two of, of the We Show is a better show than Millionaire Matchmaker because the intake of me breaking everyone in yeah. the chair where every person cried, like Darcy, who's the star of 90 Day Fiance, started there. Claudia Jordan cried. Like everybody was like, <laughs> like that. Even though my favorite episode in history is the 100th episode on Millionaire Matchmaker, I produced it from soup to nuts. I am an executive producer. I do get locations and casts. And that was Cynthia and Kenya. And Taylor Dane, because they were my friends. Yeah. And they made that happen because the head of production said they can't do it. And they said, we're going to take our vacation and go there and do it for me. They did that for me. And that was like the greatest gift I ever got from those three people. I really love them to this day. But back to we, they put me on a Friday in the summer and I tested well. They gave me a third season. Yeah. I said to myself, this isn't my home. Yeah. Bravo felt betrayed. They punished me. I would have gone back. And so I said, I'm going to get an, I'm going to get in scripted. My agent's like, you're out of your fucking mind. You're going to get in scripted. I said, I went to film school. I was a screenwriter. Fuck this shit. Called up the president of Hallmark, pitched them an idea. They bought it in the room. They said I had the highest Q score because of my morals and values. I got a series there. It killed. It's called Matchmaker Mysteries. You can watch it. I sold them a fourth movie. It aired last year. It was an all black movie. Unusual for Hallmark. And then I said, okay. I paid my dues. You don't make a lot of money. You make just nah, money, but you, cause it's all made in Canada. And then I got an agent that I really liked. And she said, have you, have you ever watched the kissing booth? And I said, are you kidding me? Yeah. She goes, have you watched the queen's band bit? I go, are you kidding me? She goes, I'm going to introduce you to those two people, two Brits, Andrew Brule and Alan Scott. And they go, we want to produce a series on your life where you're 16 and your mom, your grandmother, matchmakers in Jersey. And now our pilot just got developed. We got a deal. And a lot of the networks are calling us because Mrs. Maisel's going away and they want the Jewish thing with the anti-Semitism and all that rising. And it's been announced. It's been in the trades. You could Google it. And, and I got my dream. This is my dream. So wait, yeah. pilot's out. Now we're just waiting for well, the pilot. We just got, we're just about to get the pilot. We have a meeting about it. So Alan just wrote it. And it's being developed into a Broadway play as well. There's some really cool things that are happening with it. So it's an, it's like more deals and you know merchandise and stuff like that. There's a lot of cool things going to happen with it. And I mean, I don't know how this will turn out. What network will buy it? We're in the throes of development. You know, things can go south. I'm a smart little girl. But this was my dream. And Alan came to my house and he smoked his cigarettes and he you know rode. And then Andrew and I talk every day. And it's just like wow, these are the two most powerful people at Netflix. You know, and I was like, wow, I'm working with real creme de la creme. So that this is exciting. Plus, I'm producing, plus I'm producing um, a couple other shows with Rachel Van Dyken. She wrote, she's a New York Times writer. She wrote the series called The Dark Ones. And um, Evan Tyler, who created Van Helsing, is producing that. And we're, we just got our pilot on that as well. And some other scripted stuff. Plus, I wrote three books with her. And one's coming out in January. And I'll come back on for that one Hi. but it's like I spent two years in COVID going I can't work physically on camera I can't do anything 
I had a podcast back in the early days when nobody had a podcast and we did really well, but the company didn't pay their bills. I won't name their name. And so I got out and I thought, this is a really bad experience. I booked it. I produced it. I cast it. Like it was exhausting. So when the podcast came back. I went to Clubhouse. It was easier. And we killed on Clubhouse. And then, you know, they fizzled out because who wants appointment podcasting? I don't think that's logical when you're not home, right? right. So I, I go, okay, now I need a podcast. So we're going to get back to getting a podcast. That's the next goal. But I have to tell you, creativity was so strong in the two years in COVID. I'd stay home in my pajamas and we'd write and we create for both projects. And it was wonderful. It was like, no one's going to tell me what to do. My agent's like, you're out of your mind. You'll never cross the street. And I'm like, yeah, screw you. Because well, they want you, know you to stay in You should know with bitches like us, that only motivates us to then want to do it. And like, it's not Lance's, it's not Lance being bad agent. He wants me to stay in my lane because he's, that's his lane. But I had a dream. Like to get into scripted, I love scripted TV. I watch it all day long. I when I run home, I've got a show. There isn't a show that I can't and and I recommend. I'm constantly recommend. Like I'm a big Yellowstone fan. They sent me a cowboy hat, Mrs. Maisel. I used to blow up. They sent me a million gifts. Like when I like a show, I'm like people run down walk. Like tell me lies. Like like you like it's a like a small little secret that nobody knows about and hasn't gone. You know, like Game of Thrones style, like I'm still a throner to the day I die, House Dragon, my girls, you know, but I will say this is amazing. You got to watch this show. It's like White Lotus. I'm obsessed with Mike White is I want to work with him tomorrow. He's a genius. The guy's a genius. Like now I want to book my trip to Sicily and go to that resort. You know, like I said to David over the summer, we're going to Europe. That's the goal. We're going to Europe. So there's that thing. Right. And I will tell you this, that. um it, it was not easy. I was alone in COVID for two years. I didn't have anyone. Um, and I had to find my light. You know, I missed Bravo. I missed being on the air. I missed giving advice. I missed fixing people up. And it just didn't go the way that I wanted. But I had to suck it up and eat it and, you know, and say, if it's not Bravo, it's somebody else. Yeah. Like, like, you know, like, like Jeff and I talked about, because Jeff said Amazon, we we're really best friends, Jeff Lewis and I. And I said, you know, there's another place other than Bravo, even though, it will always be our high school home. Right. You know what I mean? Like, and like there's times love, there's, but you can find right. other loves. And there's times I talk to the other people in the network and they wish they had a different show. Lisa Rennie used to come to me and say, how did you get your own show? Like, what was the secret? Like she wanted to know how to get off housewives to get her own show. And, you know, like I'm sure Teresa feels that sometimes too. Like, you know, sometimes they, they resent what they have. Mommy's too much of a taskmaster. And I, I want to go to daddy who's easier. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I'm saying? So they have that. Vicky went through that period. Tamara went through, we never thought Tamara was going to go back. So like, they've all been like, where do I go now? What's the next step? And what I always tell people, once a star, always a star. You're always a threat. You're always a brand. Someone will always buy you. It might take time, but they'll recognize you at some point. Like Brandy's back right now. You know what I mean? You think Vicky will come back? I'd like to see her on the show with Tamara. I think personally, I think Kelly should come back and I think Vicky should come back. And I think it should be um, like legacy, like the old regime. Are you still like jamming? Did anything, did it change a lot after the show? Uh, 
I want to get into the app business. So if anybody's listening and you know someone, I want to get, I want to create the next great app. I have an idea that nobody has. It's not out there. I met my boyfriend on Tinder. I've been on Bumble. I know what's wrong with the apps. I know what's right with them. I know what's missing in the market. They want to get new users on. It's the same users that jump from one app to the other. Then I know what to do, but I don't have the money. I don't have the connections. So I don't want to just go with anybody. I, I don't know anyone in that industry. You know, but I'm ready to do it because well, I know it's, I have an idea that would blow the industry off its heel. Yeah. But there is a dating community that needs to speak to each other. Like the meditation community does on, I forget the name of the app that I use to meditate on. It's like calm. It's another, calm. yeah, there's another one where we all meditate universally. It was one and we talk to each other and we make friends because I'm a transcendental meditation person and I've got the name of the app. It'll come to me. So there are apps like that where you can talk to one another. There needs to be a community and there needs to be a college community. Exactly. We do not have a college app out there, which those kids need more than anything. So there is that. There's a lot of that going on where I'm open and I spread the word and you see who comes in. I do you think this is off to, because I was watching Sex in the City, like the old school, fucking my, I mean, my favorite ever. And, and I, it was the one where Samantha, funny that I'm going to talk to you. And Samantha was like, oh, honey, sex is the, is the, the barometer of like how your relationship is doing. You're not having sex. You have a really bad relationship. Cause yeah. Barry, Carrie and Big weren't having sex. But then I watched White Lotus. You see what, did you watch White Lotus season two? I haven't seen, I haven't caught up on that yet. So that's another thing. Ethan has a cerebral relationship with his wife. So they have yeah. sex every now and then, but they don't have a lot of sex, but their marriage is perfect. Then Cam, his friend who takes him on vacation, who's a bad boy, fucks on around his wife, wife stops in order to feel better. And she's got a trainer that, that we think her children come from and not her husband. They stir the shit. He brings in hookers. He does all these things. Right. He stirs the shit and they start to question their relationship, even though it's a front where they're so perfectly madly in love. You know, Ethan's wife is like, who's played by Aubrey Plaza. She's like, there's this, this is a front. Nobody's yeah. like this. And they find out there is, but it also is like, are we still attracted to one another? And there is a question because Cam comes on to Aubrey Plaza and she starts to tingle. You know, the, the, oh. the unknown, the excitement. And he, the husband thinks they had, they cheated in his mind. We don't think it's real. We don't know if it's real yet. It's a lot. It's a lot to question your relationship. I think sex is sex. Yeah. Like it's sex. Like you don't have to use that as the barometer. How you treat one another is the barometer. Are you happy? Are you content? If you want more sex and you're not getting it, then you're not content. Then you use I have love Then let him or her come on to you. But if you're happy and you're in a good place and you may have sex once a week or once every two weeks, it's about quality sex. Now, John Gray does say something scientifically. We'll get into that. This is a science thing because I'm all about science. A man's testosterone drops after having sex. He's, he's come, he's climaxed, it goes, okay? Until he has sex again, it has to rise for him to chase you and want you, okay? So when he is dating you and you've had sex and he disappears on you for a day or two, it's because he's feeling his testosterone rise. And when he starts to feel it at a certain point that he wants you, he will call you. 
you were on his mind, you're on his brain, you're on his this. So if he's busy working or he's got something else going on, maybe a relative sick or whatever, and his testosterone is dropped because you just had sex on a Sunday and now it's starting to rise, leave him alone. Don't interrupt his processing time. Even if you live together and he goes in one room and you go in the other, okay? It's because he has to get to a certain level. He needs 10 times more than a woman's estrogen to hunt you. Now that's science. Now if you're in your 50s, he's going to need a lot more because his testosterone drops. So he might need injections or cream or pills. But if he doesn't do that, he has, you're, it might be a week or two, it might be 10 days, not a week. And that is the reason why. Now that doesn't mean you're not going to meet the guy at the bar who drinks too much and is wanting to fuck you every 15 minutes. But the Kundalini and the Serpent Chakra in um, and Tantra even says to have the best orgasm for him to want to make you feel good. And it's just not about him. Give him time for that testosterone to rise up. Recovery. Yeah. And it, and they believe that once a week is better than how two, three times a week. I mean, you might get some okay. You might get some Sherry Hyatt report that says science said, you know, you know, statistically couples who are happier have a two times a week. No, it's about how, what his level of testosterone is and what your level of estrogen is to receive him. And when you're in menopause, it goes upside down. We become testosterone based and they become estrogen based. So we're trying to find the balance after a certain time, especially in menopause or pre-menopause. Apparently, oh, but the like when you listen to Alex Cooper, when you listen to Call Me Daddy, which I love, my friend Emily, Sex with Emily was just on, yeah. you know, this illusion of like, I'll watch porn, I'll see this, you know, go like this, Right. girl's going to come. <laughs> That's a lie. Yeah. Most people do not come that way. Okay. Women, like Emily said the other day, you need to be touched, fingered, you need to be licked if you're that kind of woman that can come or you need a vibrator. And in your fifties, you're going to need a vibrator. Your, your sensation goes down. You know, there's Cleofina, there's all these new things on the market. There's the O-Shot, there's all that stuff. And um, you have to take responsibility in your sex life. My mother used to say your orgasm is your, is, is, is you know, you are responsible for your own orgasm, my mom would say. So if you got to touch yourself and he pushes it away, then he's not the guy for you. Totally. Because he needs to know what makes you feel good. Right, totally. Are you, do you know, but you, are you cool with Bethany? We used to be friends, me and John are back in the day. Probably not, but yeah. Why were you going to ask me about her? <laughs> like you two, like, like. You we guys were friends. I fixed her up. She used to call me every day and ask for dating advice. My mom asked me to fix her up and then extra came along and said, would you fix her up? And I, I gave her some coaching advice and I fixed her up with a very famous individual and then she came to me and she goes, I'm dating Tanjun, which was Jason too. Who should I go with? I also gave her advice how to get a TV show. It was my idea to create that show because she couldn't get a show on the air. We had a similar agent at the time. I had two agents, Lance and Brian, Brian from APA, who got her the Skinny Girl deal. And um, she said, what, what do I do? I said, well, Tori's killing it. She's making a, a mint on oxygen. You need to pull a Tori spelling which was get pregnant and get married, but I meant get married and then get pregnant, not the other way around. And she's, and then I said, you gotta go to Andy because you're owned by Bravo. You've got a, you know, like a non-compete. You can't go anywhere else. You're owned by NBC. And the only person who can make a decision is Andy because he runs housewives. So she befriended him and it was my advice. And I have my fiance to prove it, who was there at the dinner. 
And, um, you know, she was lost in sauce, but then I, she says, I don't know what to do. I like this person. I like that person. I said, close your eyes. Are you Kelly Ripa or Martha Stewart? She goes, I'm Kelly Ripa. I go, then go with Jason too. And then do you think you guys would have been cool still if you, um, something that the reason the fight happened with between all three of us is because she got the show. And Jill was, she got to get on the Today Show and she said that Jill was jealous, whatever the case. And, you know, they were all competitive, just like now, who gets this, who gets that? It's, it's no different. There's still competition on every show who gets whatever. But back then it was ruthless. And Jill wasn't jealous. She was just sad. Like, why didn't they bring the whole cast on? Oh. And it got out of hand. And then Bethany said that Jill um, was, was annoying her. She needed a hobby. I'm going to leave a message on her. I'm going to call her. Oh, right. The I said, well, for two years, you had no money. You were getting evicted from your apartment. Bethany Bakes didn't work. Bobby paid all, you know, took you everywhere, let you live in the house in the Hamptons, paid. You don't pay for anything with Bobby Zarin. He is a gentleman. And she went crazy and she said she left the message. And then I got really angry. Also heard from my client who I fixed her up with that she was talking bad shit about me behind my back. That really hurt because she used to call me all the time. So I was like, well, that really is, that really hurt me because I'm not, you know, I'm not a gossip and I'm not somebody who would ever hurt anybody. I, I believe in love and helping people. So that hurt me a lot. And then she left the message and I got, you know, me, I go angry. And I just said, screw you. You're not a friend. And then Andy took Jill, Bethany's side and I took Jill's side. And then the war became the war. Yeah. Because I just and then you know I'm like look Bethany is a genius mastermind in business she's a genius she I drank a drink she saw me drink the skinny margarita it was mine what happened was I used to do fresh lime juice club, club soda and Splenda and a shot of Patron because I was always watching my weight I was always cutting calories like it was back in the day it was like very Weight Watchers with the points and stuff and like I moved on to other but I was always going back to Atkins. In the Atkins, you had to have low, low, low carbs for the day. You had to count like, I think it was like 30 carbs or something like that. So I, I gave myself a drink once a week and I would do it on the show because we'd go to this Mexican restaurant called Baja Cantina that you know, right. and we shot there. And I think I did it in front of her. So then she said, oh my God, that's a great idea. She goes, I'm going to make that come to my book signing. And I went to the book signing and she had four of them set up. I'm going to make it organic because she was really into organic stuff. I'm going to put agave in. And then we all tasted and I go, I like that one. And that became Skinny Girl. Yeah, true story. It's just weird because I see, I like talking to you. I just see like you two being together. Like the- well, You know, Bethany is really funny. She'll make you laugh and piss in your pants. Um, she's, you know, she's beautiful. She's attractive. She's thin. Um, a lot of her shit lately, I don't agree with. Sometimes I'm like, what are you saying? Like, fuck Kris Jenner, you know, let her come for me. And I'm like, oh my God. Like I look at Chris Jenner as like a like the like I was wish Lance was Chris Jenner. You know, I look at Chris Jenner as like the genius of all geniuses. I don't care what anyone says, like the sex tape, whatever. She's smart. She's a smart woman. She took, you know, um Caitlyn Jenner at the time, Bruce Jenner, and said, Look, you're in debt, 500 grand, I'm putting you on the speaking market. Like she's smart. This is not a dumb girl woman. And I wish she managed me. So I don't when you put people down. And you, I'm sick of Kardashian culture. They're not going away. Yeah. Like accept it. Yeah. You know, it's like accept that it's going to be here forever. You know, like you can't make your daughter not want to be like him. It's yeah. just what it is. 
You know, it's just what it is. Accept Kim, hard worker. Yeah, they're on a Zempric or they're on all these, you know, the diet shit. Like, you know, nobody loses 16 pounds in two weeks. I mean, come on. Let's be logical. What doctor they got their, you know, instead of that, be nice to them. Say, what are you using? You want, you're jealous? Well, who's your doctor? Right. I think everyone should share their doctors and own their plastic surgery like I did. Like I said, I got my eyes done. I had my breasts done twice. They grew back. I'm thinking of doing it again. Uh, my tip is dropping. I want my tip pulled up because if I'm back on camera, my tip is dropping. And I thought about having a facelift. Jill and I went around. We went to various doctors. We checked everything out. Look incredible. What are you doing? I still want this. And then, um, hey, there's little things you want. You know, I wanted always- to own it, own it. Right. I, there was like, I'm the one that says, here's the doctor, here's the this. I knew about a Zimbrick before anyone knew about it. My gynecologist, my functional medicine doctor had given it to me and I didn't use it for a long time because I have acid reflux and it can accelerate it. So I was like, eh, I'm still a, a intermittent fasting person, live for that. And I eat really clean. I'm an organic, non-GMO, grass-fed, pasteurized, whatever it is. I'm that chick. And I spend extra money on groceries to get that, even if I have to order meat online when in the COVID. But I, but I like wanted to be blonde like you, and it would destroy my hair. So I put extensions in. Like, you know, I'm not gonna I tell people the truth about me. Yeah. You know, I'm not like I share. You know, like, like DHgate right now, everybody knows about DHgate. It's like, you can get, you get the um, factory direct fake coutures. The world knows there's a, so I became friends with a girl on Instagram named Summer Sutherland, who's amazing at this. She unboxes, tells you this doesn't work. You know, this, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We're in a recession. Right. Totally. I'm going back and buying a $25,000 bag. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Stock prices are going to drop. Smart, like that's logical thinking. I drive my Porsche is never driven. I work from home. It had three thousand miles on it. COVID, they extended it to five years. I was like, great. The lease went up. They all wanted my Porsche back. It's the last generation of its kind. I love my Porsche today. I bought it. I bought it. I said, you know what? It has no miles. I'm not going to go buy a Tesla. I said, this is what I want. Saves money. I don't have a permit. There's like, I'm very logical because I only have me. No one's paying my bills. Um, What's her name? Sydney from Sweeney from um, um, Euphoria. Yes, 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 yes. yes. She's the hottest thing. She's smart as shit. She's brilliant. And on top of it, she put her parents through a lot of suffering and pain. They quit their jobs and they might have even got divorced. And they put all their money into her and they went broke. Now she's making money for the first time. And she said, by the time you get the agent, the manager, the lawyer, the whatever, you don't have that much money. You can't go spend like crazy. You know, if somebody wants to give you a dress wear on the carpet, that's one thing, but you can't go crazy. And she said it. She was the first person in Hollywood to ever say that. And I was like, oh, speaking my language, girl, I freaking love her. And they said my, they said millionaire matchmaker on the show. There's a scene where her mother is watching it. And she comes in and wants to talk about this guy who broke her heart and she's losing her mind. And her mother goes, can't you just let me watch Millionaire Matchmaker in peace? No. And, and I went viral. Like it was the night of the Emmys. And I was just like, wow. I know. So I'm sitting here in a Forever 21 sports bra and my husband's boxers. So, I mean, I'm like, I yeah, you're down to earth. You're not, you're not like trying to be something you're not. Um, you know, it's like, like if you buy a $5,000 dress, you wear it once. What is the point? I would never. Right. And yet there's a designer that I'm obsessed with that sells five grand. I'm just like, will you please get a cheaper line going? I just can't. I I, I had to go to a wedding and somebody got it for me for $3,500. And I said, you know, I, I, I'm not going to spend more than a grand on the dress. I'm just, 
it's a little bit excessive. Like I'm really careful like on shit like that, you know? I'm a collector of vintage jewelry, but on the set of the matchmaker, um, Million Dollar Matchmaker, we were robbed during the period when Kyle was robbed. And it was robbed $280,000 worth of my clothes at the Lux Hotel in Beverly Hills, really bad. And we caught the person. And when we went to see if we could go to trial, he had fingerprints everywhere. The state of California said, not enough evidence. You know, no one saw him. I had fingerprints, not enough to go to trial. And I lost all my vintage jewelry. I collected Chanel. I collected Dior. I had it all gone. And it taught me, these are just things, Patty. You have your health. You have friendships, you have relatives, you have love, like, let it go. I cried my eyes out for like, you know, several weeks. And then I realized, what is this doing? Yeah, my health, you know. Right. How are we not? I can't believe we've not, not met. Like, we I know you live right next to me. This is crazy. I thought you lived in Jersey when, when the Teresa podcast. No, no. Here, that's why Jill was like, oh my gosh, my girl is right next door to you. I mean, you kept blowing me up on Instagram. <laughs> and I was like, who is this bitch? Why is she? And then I know Jill goes, oh no, you got to do this. And my assistant's like, you got to do the show. And I'm like, what day do you have makeup? Because, you know, let's put you in the chair. And I thought- Okay. And then I looked at your, your Instagram and you had great podcasts. So I was like, I didn't realize it was Teresa's partner. Yeah. When I saw those pictures, it didn't hit me. I mean, you're yeah. beautiful. Don't get me wrong, but it, it didn't like hit me. And I thought that's a really good thing for Teresa to have a podcast. Like I was like, Oh, that's a good move for her. She like that's good. because she, she has been there the longest. And I have to say, and I always say it, Bravo didn't make Bravo till she flipped that table. And I was, and, I, and her show owner and my show owner were best friends, Catherine. And one day she called me in the room while we were, you know, getting the, sh- the scene together. And she said, oh my God, something big went down at Jersey. And it was at the manor. And, you know, yeah. every one of my relatives has gotten married and bar mitzvah and whatever. At the manor. I go, the manor in West Orange by my house? Because I grew up in Shortles. And she's like, Patty, I can't tell you what happened. I swore to secrecy, but this is big. And look, so she knew and she told me and I went because we were shooting at the same time. And I think I was shooting in New York, maybe, maybe not. Um, she's like, I don't want people to think I'm this like hothead table flipper. Right. Like I want them to see the other side. So it's like we all, like I lost my cool. Like I'm not the person I was, like, you know, 10 years ago when I shot. I lost my cool every day. Like these yeah. delinquent men were just irritated. And I was single at one point right. after Sandy. And in that period of singleness, I was really vicious because I was like, who the fuck do you Not think you are telling me yeah. what to do? Get my hair done, change my teeth, change, get plastic surgery, get skinny for you. You're a toad. Like, you know, like I like oh. when I thought when I threw the angry hobbit out of his, you know, he starts screaming, like, get the fuck out of town, you little toad, you know, like there was like, you know, it was in me. So it was in Teresa, too. She like had enough. You're the best. This is awesome. No problem. No, you. You. All right. Thank you so much for listening to Side Piece. Make sure to follow on Instagram with the handle at Side Piece Show. That's at S-I-D-E-P-I-E-C-E-S-H-O-W. At Side Piece Show. And don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe.